Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Mr. Secretary, there's been some bipartisan criticism that you visited El Paso and not the Rio Grande Valley, where many of the migrants make the actual crossing. What was behind that decision? Well, uh, it was my recommendation to visit El Paso. Mr. Secretary, why not visit uh, Fort Bliss, which is just 10 miles away and has hundreds of uh, unaccompanied migrant children reportedly in very difficult conditions? Uh, the vice president and the president directed Javier Becerra, the secretary of health and human services, to visit Fort Bliss, uh, which is under his responsibility, and he's doing so today. It was just 10 miles away. Why not include it on the vice president's trip? Well, uh, you know, we had uh, quite a bit to see, and we were able to... Uh, uh Something one of the advisors said this weekend, Cedric Richmond, he said, Republicans defunded the police by not supporting the American Rescue Plan. But how is it that that is an argument uh, to be made when the president never mentioned needing money for police to stop a crime wave when he was selling the American Rescue Plan? Well, the president did mention that the American Rescue Plan, the state and local funding, something that was supported by the president, a lot of Democrats who supported and voted for the bill. But Mr. Congressman Banks, let me push back on that a little bit, because in the program that he announced this week, the, the president said that the central part of his anti-crime package is the $350 billion in the American Rescue Plan, the COVID relief plan that was passed. Take a look at what the president said. Gwen Barry, who hopes to represent the United States as an Olympian on the hammer throwing uh, events, won a bronze medal at the trials and then she turned her back on the flag while the anthem played. Does President Biden think that is appropriate behavior for someone who hopes to represent Team USA? Well, uh, Peter, I, I haven't spoken to the president specifically about this, uh, but I know he's incredibly proud to be an American uh, and has great respect for the anthem and all that it represents, especially for our, our men and women serving in uniform all around the world. He would also say, of course, that part of that pride in our country means recognizing there are moments where we are, as a country haven't lived up to our highest ideals. And it means respecting the right of people granted to them in the Constitution to peacefully protest. And didn't really come super close to doubling it. Van. Uh, very disappointing. Uh, very disappointing. Uh, 15 years. I know people doing 15 years for nothing. I mean, for, for, for victimless crimes of, of drug possession. Very disappointing. Uh, the level of uh, any one of those aggravators. What this man did, there should have been the maximum of the maximum. And this is, this is, this is disappointing. I don't, I don't think it's going to... Uh, uh... 
But it's not just political protesters the government is spying on. Yesterday, we heard from a whistleblower within the U.S. government who reached out to warn us that the NSA, the National Security Agency, is monitoring our electronic communications and is planning to leak them in an attempt to take this show off the air. Now, that's a shocking claim, and ordinarily we'd be skeptical of it. It's illegal for the NSA to spy on American citizens. It's a crime. It's not a third world country. Things like that should not happen in America. But unfortunately, they do happen, and in this case, they did happen. The whistleblower, who is in a position to know, repeated back to us information about a story that we are working on that could have only come directly from my texts and emails. There's no other possible source for that information. We're going to be talking about all the changes happening right here, I, right now, in yeah. the future. They're going to be saying it's one of the most tumultuous periods I think in the history of the country. We'll look back and it'll be scary. It'll be like, yeah, I don't know. Everybody was afraid of getting canceled. People were eating each other. <laughs> Nobody was listening to science. Like, it's a really, even as it's happening, I'm like, we are coming across like fucking idiots. Like animals. Well, we're unhinged yeah. in a lot of ways. And we're not anchored down by a real leader. You know, we don't really have a real leader in this yeah. country anymore. Yeah. I mean, you could say Joe Biden is the president. He's our leader. And you'd, you'd be correct on paper. But, I mean, everybody knows he's out of his mind. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. 29th of June, year of our Lord, 2021. What an intro that is. It's a taste. A little taste of everything we're going through now. So we got the border, Ellis Island. They think that's fucking cute. But CBS actually did something. Nobody showed the protest. And I only show it because, remember, every time somebody protested Trump, that, that was big news. Uh, the defund thing we're going to go into today with Chris Wallace literally supporting it. You'll hear the full soundbite. Um, that national anthem check. I threw a Chauvin in there because it's not good enough unless he was drawn and quartered. They weren't going to be fucking happy. The NSA is spying on Tucker, and I totally believe they are. Because, remember, they spied on a presidential candidate that we now know was based on nothing. And that was okay. That's not a mega statement. That's an American statement. If the sitting president can spy and fuck with opposing candidates, that's the banana republic. And then Joe Rogan's summing it up. But I, I kind of shut the show into overdrive today because I had all lined up and I was going to talk about the border and we will. But, man, I ran into something last night and we've covered this on the show, but it is buried in the infrastructure bill. So I'm going to play a sizable soundbite from the Tucker show because I just don't think a lot of people understand this is bad. You don't want this, and the sole purpose is not to improve the lives of people. It is electoral voting. Welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. In early 2009, more than 12 years ago, the Obama administration made a surprisingly, probably unprecedented accusation against Westchester County, New York, a pretty liberal place. According to the Obama administration, Westchester was an instrument of white supremacy, not the good liberals who live in Westchester, Bill and Hillary Clinton, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, many others. No one accused them of being bigots. The problem was the buildings they lived in. All those single family homes, row upon leafy row, set back from the street, well-tended lawns, mailboxes. Those were all examples of racism, literally structural racism. And the only solution the Obama people announced 
was much greater density, more subsidized housing complexes in Westchester, more high-rise apartment buildings, maybe some drug-addicted vagrants living on the sidewalk begging for change. Only if Westchester County became more like the Bronx could it become non-racist. Well, this was all something of a surprise to the people who live in Westchester, again, most of whom are dutiful liberals. They didn't realize they had a white supremacy problem. Between 2000 and 2010, for example, according to the census numbers, Westchester's black and Hispanic population had risen by more than 50%. So how could the county be racist? It didn't seem to make any sense. In court, the Obama administration explained their reasoning. They singled out Westchester's practice of standard zoning. That referred to county regulations that restricted the height of certain buildings and limited the placement of sewers to protect the drinking water. It sounds reasonable. But according to the Obama administration, those were restrictive practices. Restrictive practices is a legal term that under civil rights law means they were racist. And because they were racist, the Obama administration withheld more than $20 million in federal funds from Westchester County. If the county wanted the money, it would have to construct 10,000 low-income, high-density, very non-racist apartments. So this battle, it didn't get a lot of news coverage, but it went on for all eight years of the Obama administration. And in the end, to its credit, Westchester fought back because they could afford good lawyers and they eventually won in court. But many places couldn't afford good lawyers or not as rich as Westchester, so they had to relent. Under pressure from federal ideologues, communities in Oregon and Minneapolis, for example, with very little news coverage, abolished single family zoning. This all happened in recent years. The question is, why is it happening? The goal isn't to eliminate racism. The goal is to eliminate suburbs. So rather than improve the lives of people who live in crappy places, the idea is to destroy the lives of people who live in nice places. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to eliminate the suburbs? Well, there's a very clear political reason. Suburbs are typically purple politically. Republicans can win just as Democrats can. But if your goal is to make the country a one-party state, you'd want to change this. You want to make suburbs into cities. And if you did that, you'd win every time. Democrats win cities. Of the 10 biggest cities in the United States, Democrats run nine of them. Of the 50 biggest, they control two-thirds. That doesn't mean they're good at running cities. They're not. Many of our cities are on the verge of collapse. People are running away from them. But making cities better is hardly the point. Winning elections is the point. Democrats are happy to admit this. Here's Congresswoman Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts from yesterday. Watch. This is about human and physical infrastructure. Progressives in Congress have been uh, leading this fight. Care economy is infrastructure. Climate justice is infrastructure. Housing justice is infrastructure. Transit, public transit uh, justice is infrastructure. And so these bold investments must be made to support workers and families in order for us to have a just, equitable, and robust recovery from this pandemic. Housing justice. It sounds like a term that maybe Ayanna Presley just made up. What does that mean? Well, if most people were asked, they would say it means you're not allowed to prevent people, regardless of what they look like or where they're from, from moving into a specific neighborhood. And that's true. That's been federal law for a long time, more than 50 years. You can't discriminate in housing sales and you shouldn't be able to. But that's not what she's talking about. She's talking about something very different. She's saying if neighborhoods look different, then by definition, they're racist. If one is nicer than the other, you have to make it less nice or else that's not equity. 
The Obama administration was on this early. In 2015, the Department of Housing and Urban Development under Obama issued a final rule on what it called affirmatively furthering fair housing. Now, according to the HUD secretary at this time, Julian Castro, the fair housing rule was simply intended to enforce the Fair Housing Act of 1968, the law that makes it illegal to discriminate in housing sales or in renting on the basis of race. Again, that law has been on the book a long time and it's not controversial. But that law also requires local jurisdictions that receive federal money to take steps to affirmatively further the goal of eliminating race discrimination in housing. Huh. This is a complex wordplay, but here's what it means. Under the Obama administration, HUD went one important step further. According to Julian Castro, the existence of, quote, concentrated poverty in urban centers as opposed to the suburbs constituted de facto evidence of racial discrimination. In other words, as long as there is a place that's poorer than the place you live, the place you live is racist. That's insane. But on the basis of that assumption, they move forward. And local jurisdictions were told to eliminate single-family zoning and increase density in business districts. And if they didn't comply, they might lose millions of dollars in community development block grants from HUD. That was a very radical step, and most Americans were unaware it was even happening. And people who live outside the cities are very against it, including faithful Democrats. None of them were for that. If they wanted to live next to Section 8 housing, they would have stayed in the city in the first place. So people hate this idea. Suburbs are very complicated organisms, like everything humans build. They've developed over a century, in some cases more than a century, for good reason. To have federal ideologues come in and destroy them is very threatening to people. They're not for that. Again, even Democratic voters are not for that. And of course, Joe Biden understands that. He's not a genius, but he knows what people fear. So when asked about it during the last campaign, he lied. Watch Biden reassure you that it's racist even to suggest that he would want to change America's suburbs. Here it is. Look what he's doing now, the president. He's trying to scare because an awful lot of suburbanites are now deciding they're gonna vote for me, at least the polling data suggests, as opposed to him. And he's talking about, you know, Biden's gonna, what he's gonna do, he's gonna send all these folks out to suburbia. They're going to end up with houses out in suburbia and apartments in suburbia. Yeah, well, a lot of suburban voters did vote for Joe Biden, partly on the basis of that claim that he wasn't going to send a lot of people to the suburbs. But that was a complete lie. Now, Joe Biden is preparing to do just that. Now, at the time, his defense was that the HUD rule by itself was not enough to restructure and eliminate suburbs. Local communities that didn't want to comply with the rule could simply refuse HUD grants. They'd lose millions of dollars, of course but they could survive. What Biden didn't say is that the HUD rule was just the first step. In his new infrastructure plan, which you can read online, and you should, Biden calls for dramatically expanding the federal government's power over suburbs. The plan calls for implementing the provisions of something called the HOME Act. That was a bill first proposed by Cory Booker of Newark, who is a lunatic and reckless. That legislation goes much farther than anything the Obama administration even attempted. It would cut billions of dollars of federal funding to any local government with, quote, ordinances that ban apartment buildings from certain residential areas or set a minimum lot size for a single family home. So you, under this law, if you're a town, are no longer in charge of how long of how large your lot sizes can be. You have no 
control over anything. What's the point of having a local government at that point? But it goes farther. The Home Act doesn't simply cut off HUD funding to suburbs that don't comply with its equity rules. It prevents states from getting federal transportation grants of any kind if they refuse to allow high-rise apartments or other high-density zoning in their suburbs. And that's very different. Unlike a HUD grant, that is money that states have to have. They can't refuse it. States need federal transportation dollars to fix their streets and highways. And by the way, it is their money anyway. It was dutifully sent to Washington. It is every year by citizens of their states. But the Biden administration is in no mood for negotiation with suburban homeowners. Screw them with their decent schools and crime-free streets living in their little 1950s America. According to the principles of equity, those people must be bigots by definition. They're living better than people who live in densely populated cities are living. Therefore, we must crush them. This is not a conspiracy theory. Very soon, it could be the law. Read the bill. Abolishing the suburbs is a major part of the Biden administration's infrastructure plan. That legislation is still being negotiated tonight, and it's not final, but already the media are rushing to defend it. What shills they are? What liars? Here's USA Today, for example. USA Today, the nation's largest, quote, newspaper, quote, Biden's proposal would award grants and tax credits to cities that change zoning laws to bolster more equitable access to affordable housing. A house with a white picket fence and a big backyard for a 4th of July barbecue may be a staple of the American dream. But experts and local politicians say multifamily zoning is key to combating climate change, racial injustice, and the nation's growing affordable housing crisis. Really? Because if you wanted to fix the affordable housing crisis, maybe you would prevent foreign governments from buying up residential housing stock, which they are doing, or BlackRock from buying up single family homes and turning them into rentals. Maybe you would make some effort to loosen the housing market a little bit, but they're not doing that. They're doing just the opposite. So you may ask yourself, can the federal government really ban you from having a suburban home with a backyard celebrating the 4th of July with your kids, all in the name of climate change and racial equity? Can they prevent suburbs from having roads if they don't build low-income housing projects? Well, under existing civil rights law, a plan like this only works if the feds can prove that your roads are somehow racist. And that is exactly the case they've been making right out in the open. Why has nobody noticed this? It's not just the Obama administration that says roads and buildings are racist. Pete Buttigieg is now saying it too. Watch this. The interstate system was built to keep certain groups in and certain groups out. So it was built right. on a racist system, correct? Yeah, often this wasn't just uh, an act of neglect. Often this was a conscious choice. There is racism physically built into some of our highways. Eisenhower's interstate highway system is now racist? Really? I-95 is? Route 5 is racist? Tell us how, Pete Buttigieg. Does he even believe that? No, no one believes that. Just like nobody believes that Westchester County is bigoted because it has rules about where you can put a sewer drain. It's not about racism. Stop with that. It's about power. For Democrats, the goal of this infrastructure plan is permanent control over the federal government. And for multinational corporations like BlackRock, the point is driving down the cost of homes even further and building more apartment high-rises in the suburbs. That has been the goal of the most powerful people in the world for some time. 
In fact, it was just a few years ago, it was 2016, that the World Economic Forum released a video explaining, and we're quoting, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. What's less clear is why more self-described conservatives, their job, by the way, is to conserve things like America's self-respecting independent middle class, aren't objecting to this. It's not clear they even notice it's happening. They're negotiating this bill. The future of the way Americans live is at stake. And you never hear them say that. Luke Rosiak of The Daily Wire has noticed. He's been covering this story maybe more intensely than anybody. He joins us tonight. Luke, thanks so much for coming on. So at the core of this, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong and expand on, on this one sentence, but at the core of this legislation is a total remake using federal power of the way millions of Americans live. Am I, am I overstating that? No, you hit the nail exactly on the head. Zoning is the most basic thing that local governments do. Towns know which areas should be sort of the town square, the quaint little village where you can walk places, which should have more of a natural feel where you preserve, you know, trees and big yards. And the government, the federal government has no role in this. Uh, in fact, if residents of those towns wanted to change their zoning to do the kind of things that you talked about, uh, they could have done so. They don't. The voters <laughs> right. don't want it. And, and right. so the federal government is now printing money and bribing them to be bribing local officials to betray their own constituents uh, with these stimulus funds. Um, no one wants this. It's really important to say people of both parties like living in the suburbs. That's where they move there. The majorities of every racial group choose to live in the suburbs. The majority of immigrants right. choose to live in the suburbs. Um, and so Democrats have been talking for decades about urbanism and mass transit, and it's going to be so efficient if we can all live in these stack and pack concrete jungles because you won't have to run the utility lines as far. It'll be very efficient and things like that. And now they're suddenly reversing course and they're saying, you know what? It's actually bad to live in cities. There's a lot of minorities there, and it's not fair that they have to live there because they're very undesirable. It's hot and crowded, and, you know, this concrete, the concrete really heats up in the summer, and it's not fair. They don't have nature. So let's all take them and put them all in the suburbs. How are we going to fit them all with large buildings? So it really is equity in action. Equity means forced equal outcomes by taking the worst outcome that no one would want and making sure everyone has it. And so well, that's, here, this that's it right there. Cause like, if you're, if you're mad about Lake Forest, why don't you fix Chicago? If you hate New Canaan, why not fix Brooklyn? Like wh why don't they fix things rather than destroy them? Right, and there's no indication people from the suburbs want to go live in a, uh, people from the inner cities want to go live in a housing project plopped down in the middle of a single family neighborhood. Exactly. Um, but what this bill would do, two things, you can put apartments anywhere. In single-family neighborhoods, your next-door neighbor's lot could literally be turned into uh, a town or uh, to, a, to an apartment building. Or let's say you live on like a tenth of an acre where that's too small. Maybe that's why BlackRock is buying up entire neighborhoods. You buy three or four of those and you consolidate them and you build an apartment building. Now, I forgot to talk about this really quick. That happened last night. They barricaded the White House. Wouldn't let anybody in or out. That's not an insurrection. Just remember that. AOC was present. So as we're talking about the insurrection of January 6th with a bunch of people fucking trespassed, five people died in natural fucking causes, and we're still saying we need to crack down and have a green zone and arrest 400,000 grandmas, you know, 400 grandmas, and not give them fucking any rights. That happened last night, Never Trumpers. They barricaded it. It's just like the Kavanaugh where they stormed the Congress and pounded on doors. That all happens. 
but you don't see it on your CNNs and your MSNBCs, so you don't think it happens. It's just a bunch of conspiracy theories. They bragged about it. They have videos. It's all over online. Nobody seems to care. But this is huge, boys and girls. And this has nothing to do with equity. It doesn't have to do with race. It doesn't have to do with, well, certain people should get good shit. What this is about is what everything is about for liberals. They're going to rezone areas, and you must have Section 8. They move a bunch of people in, give them a free housing, free phone, free food with snap cards, and then they vote for them. That's all it's about. It has nothing to do with racist stuff. They didn't want us going into the cities. They called it gentrification. So people went out of the cities, and now they're racist too. They just know that you can gut a city and send everybody to the suburbs. They're still going to vote Democrat. And now we start transplanting to rural areas. We have a soundbite later of them literally talking about uh, it's very important to get 500,000 charging stations, even though we don't have anything near that for gas stations. There's 15,000 gas stations in America. And it needs to be in rural areas because they want to start moving their voters to the rural areas. What do you think Austin's about? What do you think Asheville's about? What do you think Nashville's about? Why do you think liberal companies are moving to red states? It has nothing to do with equity, equality. It has to do with demographics. What do you think illegal immigration on the highest level ever is about with catch and release? They don't give a fuck about people from Nicaragua. They, don't, they know there is no reason to actually justify fucking asylum. Demographics. You get 30 million illegals, Democrats got 30 million votes, and then you dump them in rural areas, they're no longer red areas. What do you think the New York Times has? The tracker to look at your area, who votes, how they vote, how they're registered. These motherfuckers been, since Obama's era, they have this tracked down to the centile. They just want to win elections forever and change the country. And there's article after article of this. Biden's racial equity agenda targets exclusionary single-family homes. Representative Van, uh, Beth Van Buen doing Biden's war on the suburbs. Here's how admin hopes to control you and your community. Biden's infrastructure plan by the Heritage Foundation. It's in there. Biden's infrastructure bill aims to end single family zoning. Biden's new infrastructure might begin to dismantle racist urban planning. That's NPR. Because if you can find it on any of these websites, it's got a positive spin. Washington Examiner, Biden's administration squeezing suburbs out of existence with zoning laws. It's not a conspiracy. It's what they want to do. It's their game plan. If you can re-demographic red areas, you win the election. Because they're still going to win. If... They get a million voters in New York City, and that gets changed to 500,000 voters, and 500,000 people move to red zones. They're still going to get the votes. 
To them, it's just spread it out. We can get red senators and congressmen gone. They'll turn blue. It's all in their plan. Then you just go through this shit. I'm just going to do it fast. This is the pace of illegal immigration as I move the wrong thing. It's never been this bad. Ever. It's never been this bad. People are making memes. That's how bad it is. Because she didn't go. And that little Ellis Island quip, that's a fucking joke. It's just a fucking joke. You got to be fucking kidding me. But they didn't show the protesting. They just loved her at the border. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to El Paso. Welcome to my community, to the new Ellis Island, to the capital of the border. I am standing before you with a heart full of gratitude. Uh, Madam uh, Vice President, thank you for being here. So grateful to Secretary Mayorkas, to Chairman Durbin, and to all of you for making the journey. Um, this is a really important day. And um, I, I have a heart full of gratitude because we finally have an administration willing to tackle the big challenges. Under political pressure, heat from Republicans, and repeated questions about when the vice president would come here to the U.S. southern border, today is the day. The vice president boarded Air Force Two early this morning for the flight here to El Paso. She'll be on the ground for a couple of hours, and she'll be touring a Customs and Border Protection Processing Center and talking with some of the migrants in the system, along with some experts. Now, Harris's role has been politically challenging from the start when President Biden asked to give her the tough job of overseeing the administration's response because there was a major surge in migrants shortly after they took office. There have been more than 900,000 apprehensions at the border through May, and that's twice what there was last year. Republicans have been hammering Harris for not coming here sooner. The White House has said that her role was really just diplomatic, dealing with Mexico, Guatemala, and Honduras. But she's been under pressure. And her trip here was announced only after former President Trump said that he would be coming. Our administration, it is important to be clear, is working to build a fair and a functional and a humane immigration system. We feel very strongly about that. And as you know, we inherited a tough situation. Um, in fact, right here in El Paso was the, 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 the launch of the child separation policy. You saw it as it rolled out on the ground in real time. Um, we have looked at a, a, a system where um, people have been housed in inhumane conditions over the last many years. Um, an asylum system that has been broken and that needs to be reconstructed. And um, in five months, we've made progress but there's still much more work to be done but we've made progress um i got them 1.9 trillion dollars relief so far they're going to be getting checks in the mail that are consequential i wrote the bill on the environment pay them more this is an employee's employee's bargaining chip now what's happening And you said that people are waiting for relief. I got them $1.9 trillion relief so far. Just remind them. I wrote the bill on the environment. 
employers can't find workers. I said, yeah, pay them more. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> he closed by saying, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> President Biden practicing some ASMR, perhaps, as he announces a bipartisan agreement reached on infrastructure. This is Irene Armendariz Jackson in El Paso, Texas, and I'm here to say, Kamala, you came a little too late. We have had this crisis for years. We need solutions. We don't need you parading in the Border Patrol station or acting like you care. Americans matter. America matters. God bless you, America. They weren't handed bad shit. And actually, playing, I put the meek in there because it's just perfect. It's just perfect. They will excuse anything this administration does. And by the way, to go back to this, El Paso ain't even near the border, okay? You're not on the border, but it's Republicans pounce. Mm. Chip Roy and other Texas Republicans call out Camilla Harris on her El Paso pit stop. I've been to the border two times already this year, about five times the total. If I told my editor I was going to the border to cover, observe, visit, and just hang out at an airport, it wouldn't count. I don't have to read them all. You know it. It was just a Republican seized. Trump's going to go there. So we're just going to go so we can check the block and then they they can't say shit. At the border, Politico replaces Republicans pounced with seized in the article. They seized upon it. The Ellis Island quip. I could read a million tweets of people. What the fuck? What the fuck? The tough situation. Harris says she inherited a very bad situation at the border. That is freaking hilarious. Who wants to tell her? You've inherited the safest, most secure border in the last 20 years. You screwed it up. But they can spin anything. I mean, when we get to the lies in a second, the defund thing is just a, it's just, it's a crack up. And, a, and it's our jerk off of the week because the media let them do it. They can spin a rescue plan into the border. Or uh, and to defund, even though that money had nothing to do with fucking police. But once again, they're Democrats. Camilla Harris is a brutal new nickname for Biden. Not even Joe will forget this one. What is the report? I well, it's not there. What is it? Well, here it is. Great dinner, honey. I guess I gotta play it. Okay, gang. Time to suit up again. Uh, Twenty-two seconds. There's an easier way to manage your food waste. Keep food scraps Just a out second. of your trash. It's almost there. Out of your kitchen with an Insincorator garbage disposal. Insincorator. Kitchen better. Kamala Harris is about as finished with Joe Biden as the rest of the country. And it t- turns out that the iceberg is breaking in half. 
The two of them hate each other, according to reports and according to people with sources inside the White House. The relationship is about to deteriorate really, really fast. Obviously, the two of them had no chemistry together. They didn't even like each other. Uh, I don't give a fuck about this. Immigrant congressman, I just wasted a minute on my show. Congressman shreds Biden for using Latinx. Latinx don't call themselves Latinx. And to show you it's all a joke, Dianne Feinstein lists $41 million house. That's a vacation house in Lake Tahoe. Tahoe. We just went through a McConnell's a piece of shit because he's rich because his mom died and he got all his money. Do we remember that? Yeah, I do. Jake Tapper shed 75% of his audience since January. Tapper's second quarter viewership is down to 49 compared to his first quarter. That's the last decent one they had over there. Oh my God! I'm gonna I'm gonna get this picture. We'll show it the next segment. I didn't say see this. Make a wish won't even let kids see stuff because of the fucking COVID. And lastly, they want everybody to go back to masks because of Delta variant. That was one thing I was gonna get. But oh my God, this is fucking horrible. So let's go into um, before we go into the lies. I want to do the military because the military thing. Uh. Mm, Wow. Kiss my fucking white ass. Well, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff oversees the entire U.S. military. It's a big job, a lot of weapons, the fate of the nation resting on his shoulders. In the case of the Joe Biden administration, and by the way, the Trump administration, same guy, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs is a man called Mark Milley. At a hearing this week, Milley explained that he is deeply concerned about something, not the threat from China, not the state of readiness among the troops. No, no, no. He's concerned about white rage. He didn't explain what that is, but he said it's a huge problem. White rage. Watch. I do think it's important, actually, uh, for those of us in uniform to be open-minded and be widely read. And the United States Military Academy is a university. uh, And it is important that we train and we understand. uh, And I want to understand white rage, and I'm white. And I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America? What caused that? I want to find that out. I want to maintain an open mind here. And I do want to analyze it. It's important that we understand that because our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines and guardians, they come from the American people. So it is important that the leaders now and in the future do understand it. So let's be really clear. White rage is not a medical condition. It's not even a legitimate academic theory. It doesn't exist. White rage is a racial attack. It's an attack against people on the basis of their skin color. So here you have the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in a congressional hearing leveling a race attack against American citizens. The guy is supposed to be protecting our country. That is disgraceful. It's disqualifying. It's without precedent. When was the last time that happened? And not only is it okay to complain about it, it ought to be mandatory. Fox News is on in virtually every mess hall right. and lounge on in a military basis, foreign and domestic. So think about it. Through the ranks, they're going to hear uh, Fox News refer to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs as a stupid pig. Uh, You wrote an open letter to your old Wisconsin friend, former Speaker of the House Paul Ryan, who's on the Fox board, 
asking him, this was months ago, to push back. Did you ever hear back from him? No, unfortunately, although I think the silence uh, is, uh, is, is rather eloquent. Look, you, you, you have, uh, and I'm glad you asked me about this, because, you know, that was really one of those extraordinary moments. And, and we try, we, we can't get numbed about what Tucker Carlson is doing and what Fox News is allowing to go over its airways. But think about this, that you, you, you have this, this pampered man-child trust fund baby calling a decorated veteran a pig and stupid. And you would think that people would step back and say, okay, I'm sorry, uh, you can disagree with the man, but um, you know, we are a party and a movement that uh, has always prided ourselves on respect for the military, respect for what he's accomplished. Those stripes on his sleeve um, are not you know, Venmo accounts. Those stripes on the sleeve are, are you know, places that he has served his country. And it is interesting, as you pointed out, the ongoing silence from other Republicans, the ongoing silence from other folks at Fox News. You know, I guess part of it, and Bill and I were talking about this on our podcast earlier this morning, it's just the, it's, it's the stupidity of it. It's the crudity of it. It's the lack of patriotism. It's the willingness to throw any value, anyone over, you know, under, under the bus, whether they are police officers or whether they are the military. But this is the norm that the Republican Party and the, and the right and the conservative media have fallen into. I will also add, we should never forget the goals of the foreign interests that are all quietly all over our social media. They rhyme with Vladimir Putin, and those interests are to cause division in our society, weaken our alliances, weaken our military. To understand why so many Republicans have abandoned democracy, to see why so many believe the big lie, to get why so many are trying to rewrite voting rules, you have to hear the poisonous propaganda that the GOP's activist base is listening to. You have to really hear it. It's coming more from Sean Hannity than from Trump right now. So that's what we did this week. We watched every episode of Sean Hannity's show and we color coded it. As you can see, we focused on his language, the insults and phrases that he repeats every night. Nasty little words like these. Socialist stalker, weak failure, shameless, psychotic indoctrination, hell holes. And that's just the beginning. On Hannity's show, President Biden is President Sippy Cup. Biden's a weak, frail, cognitive mess, Hannity says. Yet the Democratic Party is portrayed as an existential threat. Hannity calls it the New Green Deal Socialist Party, and he labels some Dems extremists. He calls American cities hell holes. Sometimes he calls them Democratic-run hellholes. And he says the media is a mob full of, quote, stalkers. Just think on that for a minute. Fox claims to employ lots of reporters, but their primetime star calls reporters stalkers. So the idea of the news media as a check and balance, as a form of accountability, flawed but essential. No, no, no. On Hannity, the media is the enemy, even though Fox is the media. Here's my point. Don't get numb to this abusive language. Because it is through these insults, it is through these attacks that Hannity wields power. This dark, dire language is fundamentally authoritarian. It softens the ground for a movement like Stop the Steal, you know, Trump's ploy to actually steal the election. It portrays anyone who disagrees as not legitimate, as not American. It's not opinion what Hannity does. You know that's been the Fox defense for decades, right? Opinion shows. We have opinion shows. No. Saying, I don't know, well, yes, we should keep the 2017 tax cuts in place. That's an opinion. 
Let's expand universal pre-K. That's an opinion. Hannity is spouting something else. Hannity is spouting poison. Denouncing Democrats. He's faced with extremism in the ranks. He's faced with an enemy that is based on white rage or uh, that the FBI has said is our biggest terrorist threat right now. So what he's doing is studying them. You know, military leaders often use the, the phrase of Sun Tzu of know yourself, know the enemy, know the terrain. He's trying to get to know the enemy. What and he said this. What caused this white rage? How do you define it and how do you eliminate it from within the military ranks? And also, if faced with it, how do you counter it? Uh, he, he implied, you know, rightfully so, the same thing I did, just did right now, that Capitol Police and potentially military personnel were in harm's way in combat at our Capitol building. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fully supportive of General Milley. Uh, and what he said yesterday, because that's what smart military leaders do. They find out what is causing the enemy to do the things that they're doing. Well, other conservatives, including in right-wing media, they're attacking the military somehow soft for discussing issues of race. As you know, uh, people of color are disproportionately represented in the military, the people that right. folks like Millie and yourself commanded. What's your reaction to that uh, you know, criticism that somehow Millie's being soft by having this discussion? It's ludicrous. It's ridiculous. Uh, you know, you, you try and become enlightened on what your environment is all about. In fact, that's a quality of a leader. Uh, the, the, the slams and the pejorative comments about being woke are just ridiculous. Uh, having, you know, been in a military that really requires individuals to study their surrounding, study their enemies, study how cultures come together and work. Uh, it's not wokeism. It's it's an attempt to analyze and digest yeah. and then deal with problems that are facing our countries as we protect and defend the Constitution. So I, I think those on the right mm -hmm. or anyone, right or left, who's saying anything about the military being mm -hmm. woke, first of all, they're usually not part of the military. They've never served. Yeah. And secondly, they look at the banner there uh, as she spoke. Riot in air quotes, because that is, after all, Fox, one of the preferred networks of the alleged Capitol rioters, according to a lawyer defending at least one of them. Fox, where instead of uh, hard-hitting questions about her involvement or what she was apparently remorseful for, she got the hero treatment. Thank you for telling this story. And <laughs> this is just, I, I, it's like I can't even believe I'm hearing any of this. Uh, a charge for parading through the Capitol. For that, you're held for two days. Uh, lose your job and obviously incredibly traumatic. But glad you read a couple decent books, I guess. Uh, thank you. That is the reaction for a white defendant charged with illegally entering the Capitol building as Congress was accepting the certification of a secure election. But this is how Laura Ingram described black defendants who broke into buildings during a riot. And what began as peaceful protesting ended up in a very counterproductive and even criminal place. Excusing criminal behavior as somehow justified when it's carried out in response to police brutality or any other abuse only ends up making a bad situation worse because it lowers the bar for everybody. Antifa, Black Lives Matter, the communists and their allies are executing a plan they wrote about four or five years ago. Just go back and read what they wrote in the manifestos that they wrote, including Black Lives Matter. 
They want to destroy our government. Black Lives Matter wants to come and take your house away from you. They want to take your property away from you. Yeah, this is where it all happened. May 27th, two days after the killing of George Floyd. This is the famous door where everyone was coming in and out during the uh, nights of the riots and the looting. They took as much as they could out that door. That's right. She even parachuted into Minneapolis to highlight the riots so that she would have some props for show and tell. But when it comes to the Capitol, Officer Fanon, who was assaulted and tortured that day, told me that he can't get booked on Fox to tell his story. This is the same Fox where you heard the same host recently call to defund the United States military for being too woke as generals defended diversity in their efforts to root out domestic extremism in their ranks. We are sending our tax dollars to this military to in an attempt to weed out so-called extremists, which just means conservative evangelical, as far as I can tell. Uh, we're paying for that. Why, why is Congress not saying we're not going to give you a penny until all of this is eradicated from the military budget? Nothing. This is my offer to you. Nothing. It's not just Ingram who is disparaging military brass. She's just copycatting this guy. Millie got the We also caught up with GOP Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, who did stop to talk to us. For weeks, she's been spreading the false flag theory that the FBI was somehow involved in the riots. Despite all of that body cam footage showing Trump supporters and right-wing extremists storming the Capitol, not to mention hundreds of arrests of Trump rioters. But when we pressed her for evidence to back up her claims, she didn't offer any. You've seen the video that's come out so far. What do you think of that video? It seems to show a lot of Trump supporters involved well, in the rioting. I, I didn't see any Antifa I, or well, FBI. You know, here's how I see it. Yeah. The, the American taxpayers pay for everything here, right? They pay for the building. They pay for the cameras. They pay for the staff. They pay my salary. They pay for everything. And this is the type of video that they deserve to see publicly. So... But I, I'm asking you about it. the video itself. Don't, when you look at the video, don't you mainly see Trump supporters well, involved oh, in the rioting? Um, there's all kinds of people involved in the rioting. There's people in black clothes. There's people in red hats. There's people in Trump clothes. There are clothes. Oath Keepers. There are uh, people from the Proud Boys. That's what we've read and seen, yes. And then but they've been members. arrested. They've been arrested. They've been brought to right. court. They're, they're being held, some of them, in solitary confinement almost 24 hours a day in the jails here. Right, yeah. but I'm wondering, so if they're being held in jail, if they're in solitary confinement, like you said, where do, where does this stuff come from about the FBI and Antifa? Where are you getting that from, if I may be? Well, this is the reports that have been that. coming out. Is there's, you know, information that there may have been FBI operatives. Now, we don't know what that means, right? Is that informants? Is that, where, where does that go? It's, where's the proof that the FBI was involved? Where's the proof that Antifa was involved? Don't you don't you owe it to people well, to produce I, that pr that proof that evidence? I don't know it. I didn't cause the riot, so I di I don't certainly don't owe it. There's I no think, evidence. Well, there. I mean, look, look, look. There are questions that need to be answered. There are things. You can ask that questions about anything. As she repeatedly dodged our questions, Green did tell us she welcomed House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's announcement that a select committee will investigate the insurrection. In fact, she says she wants to be on the committee. I Would know. you like to serve on the committee? Would you like to be I, on the committee? Sure, she should. She should put me on the committee. That would be great. You know. Okay. And you would show up and ask questions and. Absolutely, of course I would. I've worked hard all my life, and I would work hard there as well. But Green has formed her own conclusion that former President Donald Trump is not responsible for January sixth. 
I don't, don't think, think he's he responsible. No, absolutely not. He is not responsible for this riot here. The people that did the things here, they're responsible for it. Not but President they're Trump. They're on video saying that they did this for Trump and Look, so on. We can go all day long and every single time I'm going to tell you, President Trump did not cause the riot. President Trump told people to march here peacefully. Do you think this was an act of domestic terrorism here? I think it was a riot. A riot by whom? By people that came to the Capitol. So basically this started as a Tucker bash. They, CNN being they, they have major problems. They have huge problems. I mean, it's, they've lost all their viewers because they no longer have Trump. And to be quite honest, most of it was never Trumpers who didn't want to admit they were watching it. But they were. They were watching CNN and patting it. And I forgot to insert the picture, so just let's pause for a second. Remember, we're talking about the Capitol riot. This just happened last night. They have no problem with barricading. This is a Dem representative saying Zionists blew up 9-11. They don't care. They care about Tucker all of a sudden talking shit about a general. And they tried. Tucker doesn't care about our troops. They took this out for a spin. They thought they was going to take it somewhere. But the whole world brought it up. Do you remember what they did to Petraeus? And what they said a move on was just 100% anti-military back during the war. They tried USAA to make him stop being his sponsor. They want him done. They had task and purpose. He's not qualified. How's he not qualified? How? I mean, I'm a vet, and I I don't like dogging generals. And this has nothing to do with Trump. It has nothing to do with mega. It has nothing to do with the GOP. What that general said was a political line. We do not need learning about Mao and Zion, you know, fucking Mao Zedong and the, the Russian Revolution, these wars, they make sense. Learning about a intersectionality cudgel that the left used to win the elections does not make sense. He was doing that because that is the a focus of this administration. You got Tuck, Tucker Carlson mocking the Joint Chief Chairman. Notice we never define white rage. We should know what it is. What is white rage? You are white rage, Tucker. CNN loved this. They got all over it. And then we see there was no mention of white rage until that general did it. Because now, let's be honest. They need something. Everything's not going the way they want it. It's all going to shit. So we got to bring up some more racism. Greenwald wrote a really good article. What is behind General Milley's righteous race sermon? Look to the new domestic war on terror. They want to invert. He also wrote a great article. Questions about the FBI role in 1-6 are mocked because the FBI shaped liberal corporate media. They're part of it. Uh, let me see if I can rewind this. I want to just give me the title. 
TV analyst, Pentagon's hidden hand, because in a second, Barry McCaffrey gets in it. And he got all fucking wired up, and so I dogged him. But let's be honest, of late, the only news we get out, Army releases new transgender policy, but it can prevent discrimination. That's all they worry about it. This is the Army's updated policy for transgender soldiers. A soldier's gender identity will no longer be a basis of involuntary separation, task, and purpose. A bunch of liberals. Oh, we're so fucking happy for it. We're so happy for it. Mm. It was a talking point. It's all a talking point. That's him yelling. We're going to play it in a second. Oh, I did play it. His whole fucking Fox News. Get the, he, everything about this administration, everything about this administration is about structurally changing everything. The far, far left has taken over because he's just a puppet. He's not in charge. Don't worry. Like everybody else will talk about the rotunda's racist. Everything's racist. We need to tear it down. And it's being this ideology, this woke movement, this cultural revolution is everywhere. It's nonstop. So for our first jerk off of the week, here's CNN just going crazy about this shit. I am a politic, the media jerk off of the week. I hear you object to this seminar that was offered, this this talk that was offered about understanding whiteness and white rage. And you make this point, which I think Mm. is a good one, that you shouldn't be having military being told that they should oppose civilian institutions that, you know, should be overseeing them. But it's also, you know, we have to we have to recognize that when you look at what happened on January 6th, military was overrepresented in that group, those were not critical race theorists, uh, you know, going to the Capitol. Those were anti-government extremists. I want to look at some of the footage from that day. I mean, Congressman. What do you call that if you don't call it white rage? Well, you know, Brianna, I don't know what you mean by uh, overrepresented. I think any one member of the military. No, no, no. Oh, by overrepresented uh, compared to the population, there's a lot of them. You have uh, anti-government extremists who purposely recruit people from the military. There were a lot of military, even active duty, but mostly veterans who were in that crowd. A yeah, lot. I just think you do, we need to be very careful about uh, implying that the military uh, had anything to do with that awful day. Uh, those individuals need to be brought to justice. Uh, they are being brought to justice. I was there. It was a terrible day for the uh, terrible day for the country. Period. It isn't uh, but is that white rage? Look at look at the people in that crowd. I don't think, sir. Look at the people in the, that crowd. 
but my issue with that seminar and the person teaching it uh, is that, you know, she is teaching that white rage is a result of black advancement. Uh, not 100 years ago, today. And, you know, I find that offensive. I just sponsored a bill uh, for minority service, in, minority service. Um, DHS is now concerned about the, the, a new conspiracy theory, a new Trump-inspired, Trump-incited kind of rage, white rage, she used the words of General Milley yesterday. And it's this. Um, uh, they're concerned about the Trump reinstatement conspiracy theory. An exchange came in a members-only briefing that John Cohen, DHS's top counterterrorism official, gave to the House Committee on Homeland Security. Cohen told lawmakers that DHS is not aware of any specific credible threats of violence linked to the conspiracy theory about Trump being reinstated. But he added that DHS is following discussion of the topic online among extremist communities. And he said department officials are highly concerned about it because it fuels the false narrative that the election was rigged. And that's a narrative that may trigger a violent response from extremists. It's just jaw dropping that, you know, the disgrace twice impeached ex-presidents utterances are now a national security threat. The, the biggest risk to the country it isn't actually, uh, you know, from outside the country. It's not even necessarily from inside the country, but from the last person that was in. crime in their local communities. The local communities. The White House's argument was the American Rescue Plan is going to be $1,400 checks. It's going to be vaccines, vaccinators. Uh, it's going to put us on the path to beating the virus, not... It did those things as well. It was a pretty good bill and piece of legislation. Okay, I, Go just ahead. Just one more. Oh. Just, uh, uh, this weekend, Gwen Barry, who hopes mm -hmm. to represent the United States as an Olympian on the hammer throwing uh, events, won a bronze medal at the trials, and then she turned her back on the flag while the anthem played. Does President Biden think that is appropriate behavior for someone who hopes to represent Team USA? Well, uh, Peter, I, I haven't spoken to the president specifically about this, but I know he's incredibly proud to be an American uh, and has great respect for the anthem and all that it represents, especially for our, our men and women serving in uniform all around the world. He would also say, of course, that part of that pride in our country means recognizing there are moments where we are, as a country haven't lived up to our highest ideals, and it means respecting the right of people granted to them in the Constitution to peacefully protest. That lady in that montage, that's white rage. And I play the Ducey clip because that's where we're going now. That's patriotic. Remember, we're talking about soldiers are supposed to defend the country. Defend the country. We want them to hate the country. Is that where we're going? National Archives Task Force says America's founding documents show systemic racism suggests trigger warnings and to fix it with dance performances. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 good. That'll fix it. That makes it all. That that makes it all right now. It's all good. It's all fucking fantastically good in the hood. The National Archive Task Force on Racism claimed in a little notice report on US top librarian that the archives own Rotunda, which houses the Declaration of Independence, the US Constitution, the Bill of Rights, is an example of structural racism that the founding fathers and other white historical impact Americans are portrayed too positively. 
Additionally, the report categorized the National Archives Rotunda as another example of structural racism as it lauds wealthy white men in the nation's founding white marginalized BIPOC, black indigenous and other people of color, women and other communities. What other communities? When Martians, you've got everything else in that other blurb. The task force suggests ways to reimagine the rotunda, including staging dance or performance art, and the space that invites dialogue about the ways the United States has mythologized the founding areas or era. We need to hate it. All of it. All of it. This is white rage. What Antifa did all summer, that's white rage. White rage doesn't exist. It's just a talking point now, and it brought to you by a general. A political talking point brought to you by a general because he was told to say it. That's why we're upset. Barry McCaffrey, let us sneak in and talk to Carlson on a live Fox TV called General Mark Millian, chairman of IJCS. Stupid and a pig. Why hasn't he been terminated? Who talks like this about a public official? Mark Miley, Princeton, Columbia. Years in combat. Big fucking deal. I got ribbons. Twice. Two bronze stars. Doesn't make me able to fucking do a political movement in uniform. And this motherfucker's been around for years. He's part of the problem. He's part of the problem. He's always been part of the problem. That last soundbite I played, let's be honest. He literally, literally, was another officer. You saw that three, uh, was it 327th Infantry? He's from Fort Campbell and he's a libtard. So we've had a problem. They realized under Obama, and they went with what everybody was saying, that it, Democrats were never going to lose an election again. So our officer corps all became progs. Because the only way you're going to get promoted is if you're political. Once you get over colonel, it's all politics. And they saw what happened to Petraeus. So what do they do? They go full libtard. We got a problem in the military. Because once again, you're not supposed to be political and uniform. It's not about him as a person. It's his conduct. What he did was political. And now he's forcing his ideology, handed to him by Sective and the fucking president, down to all the troops. And if you think it's not ideological push, you're smoking crack. It's just... Like housing. They want to own everything. And how do you own everything? You re-educate. Now the military, to get ahead, you're going to have to be a prog. You're going to have to spout progressive ideals. Read less about white rage, more about not losing wars. It's a true statement. It's, it's, it's a true statement. 100% true. All of it. We got a Mo. Now he's uh, Acosta went after Mo Brooks. I'm not going to play it. I can't do it. I just can't do it. 
People are doing, you want to see White Rage? Pictures of motherfucking Antifa. Do I have it? Here's some articles that I did get where they literally show that it's a farce. Those are vets. It's the advancement of social justice. That's all it's about. More Republican. This is, these are the polls they're doing. Not if they think that we should be doing all this crap. No. No. We believe it's somebody. Uh, it's all about that. You got this guy. He was a conservative guy. Now he's got an anti-Catholic Nazi, anti-Nazi dress because he's full-fledged gay. I, I'm going to get to this in a second. Let, let's go through this. Let, let's just go through this shit. The war against critical race theory seems to be working according to polls, and it shows that uh, 58% found CRT very unfavorable. 58%. Independents and Republicans found it really to be unfavorable. What does that say? You saw the soundbite. GOP rep Mike Walls to blame white rage on the Capitol riots. CNN, that was their talking point all week. All week, CNN pushes Waltz to say white rage. White rage. Dana Loesch, Barry McCaffrey to them, uh, to that tweet I showed. General Milley is a government employee and deserves zero deference from the citizens. None. And if you're talking about briefing and some failing subordinate trying to get you to stop criticizing him, claiming you were being mean and he was sad, how far would that get with you? It wouldn't. Saranovich, you want a civilian fire because he insulted a general. It sells it all. That's their mindset. That is their mindset. They're, they're just all for this. Welcome to the armed farces. Another article. Hollowed out. Former Army Captain, Purple Heart recipient, Sean Parnell, Rips Joint Chiefs chair. I didn't play it. It was part of the Tucker soundbite. Looking forward to seeing reaction to this book later this summer. Writing directly to the white people as white person, D'Angelo identifies many common white racial patterns and breaks down how well-intentioned white people unknowingly perpetuate racial harm. Rushing to prove that we are not racist, downplaying white advantage, romanticizing BIPOC, pretending white segregation just happens, expecting BIPOC people to teach us about racism, carefulness, and being immobilized by shame. Another book, and Miley, Millie will make him fucking read it. Saji Hashimi, blocked and now deleted, but the list comes from... Julio DeCara, guys who have never served calling the U.S. military losers is a bold strategy. J.D. Vance, I personally would like a white American generals to read less about white rage, whatever that is, and more about not losing wars. He's totally true. I, I agree 100% with it. We have lost roles. We lost. We lost Afghanistan. You can blame the politics, but the generals... There in Iraq, we never had a plan. Never had a plan. We didn't have a plan. We took it down and then what? It all went to shit. In Afghanistan, 20 fucking years. We went in with a stupid Rumsfeld, not enough troops. Then we didn't do anything with it. It's still a clusterfuck. I played the videos. It'll be back to fucking a haven for fucking terrorists within a year. Everybody knows it. Because we never had a plan. 
And you can't blame the politicians. It was the generals. 7,600 people died for what? You guys never came up with a plan. You're too busy pushing critical race theory, transgender rights, and sexism in the military to finish the fucking war. And then you have this fucking winner, winner, chicken dinner. Dan, what was your reaction to, I mean, you fought for our country, to the Olympic hammer thrower, Gwen Berry. She turned her back on the flag during the anthem. And she Mm -hmm. also put a black T-shirt over her face that said, uh, activist athlete. We don't need any more activist athletes. I, I, you know, she should be removed from the team. The entire point of the Olympic team is to represent the United States of America. It's the entire point. Okay, so, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing when these NBA players do it. Okay, fine, we'll just stop watching. But now the Olympic team, and it's, it's multiple cases of this, they, they, they should be removed. That, that should be the bare minimum requirement is that, you, is that you believe in the country representing. But look, taking it a couple levels deeper, this is, this is the pathology that occurs when, we, when we're teaching critical race theory um, yep. into our institutions. Because critical race theory, again, basically teaches that our institutions are racist, that our systems are deeply racist. Now, you can't see the racism, right, because it's subtle. But the old, and, and if you deny it, it's because of your white fragility. But you're teaching people this constantly. And this is what it results in. It results in this in, in, in these displays of hatred towards our own country. Yeah. And it's got to stop. Dan, you know, what, what would have happened to you when you were in the military, standing in formation at attention during the national anthem, and you turned away from the flag? Well, it's a good question. The unfortunate answer these days is I bet it would be allowed. These days it would just be fine. Now, now you might be now you might gain a lot of disrespect from your teammates because look, the the the, the, the broad consensus amongst the troops, the people actually doing the war fighting, is that America is still a good place, and we love our flag, and we love yeah. our anthem, and we love to fight for our military. Okay, but 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 the, but the problem going on in the military now is that there's more of an incentive to turn away from the flag, to say something woke, than there is to fight against it. That's, mm. that's the truth. I'll never you mean forget like when this... The, you mean like the rest of the country? Right. You know, I'll never forget, like, uh, just uh, about eight months ago, there was, a, there was a, a SEAL who was, you know, trying to transition into a different, different gender. And he goes on Anderson Cooper and politicizes this. Goes on Anderson Cooper as an active duty SEAL. And then instead of, instead of the SEAL admiral saying, look, we don't let our people go on the news and talk about their politics or about or about their agenda like no. this. Instead, he says, we fully support this person, fully support him in every capacity. Now, I'm not sure why you would say that, considering that if you're transitioning, you are therefore undeployable. You know, OK, so we just put millions of dollars into training you. You have this you have this surgical transition. You're, you're no longer deployable. We can't use you anymore. So I don't know why on earth we would say we support that. But that's the incentive structure that's in place. So, so look, we've been looking at this problem for a while now. People are like, oh, it's just because Biden's president. No, 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 no. We were looking at this while Trump was president, too. This started this started then. It's gotten much, much worse now. That's why we did the whistleblower project. And um, that's why we're receiving hundreds of these complaints that we're just going to keep promoting until the DOD comes out with policy that says this stuff is not OK. All right. right. This training happening at the lower levels. It's not OK. OK. We didn't tell you to do that. All right. We said and, and that needs to be said very, very clearly. So a couple of officers wanted to come on here. CENTCOM said no and talk about the calamity, which is our pull out of Afghanistan. They said no to that. 
But if you want to hop mm -hmm. on with Anderson Cooper and talk about your sexuality, that gets the green light and praise. Unbelievable. Exactly. Dan Crenshaw, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, Thanks for having me. I won't spend a lot of time on this. It is the jokiest joke of all. You know they're going to do it. Every, there's articles, oh, outrage. What's wrong with she has the right? Freedom of speech, blah, 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 blah. You knew they were going to play the anthem, and you got third place. Third place. Stop playing with me. I was set up, or words she said. I was set up. Hammer thrower Gary Gwen Berry turned away from the flag to the national anthem of the podium, the U.S. Olympic trial. She then draped her black T-shirt with words, activist, athlete, and balls on the front over her head. As the national anthem played, Gwen while Gingberry was on the podium after qualifying for the Olympics, she turned away from the flag and draped a T-shirt. She felt the timing of the anthem was a setup because they never play the anthem. Okay. They never play the anthem. Ever. It's a new thing. But this is what, this is what he's training people to do. This is what... He's training people to do this. Is what the president's doing? This is what's the whole. This is the political movement. White progressives shocked to learn black Latino voters don't share the radical defund blue views. You'll never see that on fucking TV. Hot take: Becoming conscious as a white person is like waking up covered in blood and surrounded in dead bodies. Catlin Johnson: uh, Becoming conscious as a white person is a little bit like waking up with bad hangover, covered in blood and surrounded by dead bodies, and slowly realizing to hold a murder weapon. White people talk about white guilt like this horrifying, dangerous thing made of molten lava that will kill you if you don't run away from it as fast as you can. But coming to conscious terms with your place in the world will bring you many emotions. It's not about the guilt. It's about becoming aware of reality. This is what they want kids to learn. Uh, SoundCloud bans NDNGO. After all the pressure, God help me if they find out about my podcast because that's against it to it. Wendy Davis, among plaintiffs suing law enforcement, Trump supporters under Klan Act over Trump train that surround the Biden bus that was already proven not to be true. And this is the section I want to make sure we understand. Does this Is this what our, we want our military learning? Majority of liberal college students not proud to be American favor socialism, NDSU said. New survey, 57% of current left-leaning undergraduates consider themselves un- patriotic is that what we want is this what we're going to train them on this is really important because this is all a part of the white rage dumb shit he was talking about do we want to train the people on this uw river falls include why all cops are bastard as recommended reading to guide to allyship professor declares correct grammar is racist no such as standard English at symposium. Wilmington professor posts blow up Republicans on Facebook. Will this get you promoted in the military? I'm assuming it will because that's what SecDev thinks. University of Oklahoma staff workshop teaches professors how to censor students' problematic views. According to Anti-Racist Rhetoric Pedagogy Workshop, which is one of the nine professional de development workshops, you do not need to worry about repercussions at any degree of the university if you're responding to a student who's using problematic language in the classroom. 
Kelly Piler on Alvarez. If you got a hyphen name, your deuce bank said the Supreme Court has actually upheld that hate speech, derogatory speech, and any of the isms do not apply in the classroom because they do not foster productive learning environments. So as an instructor, we can tell our students, no, you don't have the right to say that. Stop talking right now. You must do what we say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to tra- we're going to train them on that. Is that, is that what we're doing? And how about just the crime sprees that we have before we get into the big time lies? Because I'm going to play a montage of the new talking point Republicans. This motherfucker right here. Lopez had a dozen arrests, including multiple violent crimes and a, and a shoot, but was free to walk the street on 27 to fire a dozen shots, almost hitting two kids. That was fine. Kentucky cop. Suspended for praying in front of an abortion clinic. Not in uniform, on his off time. I'm sure Miley would think that was problematic too. Portland police. This is in every state now. Because they're so scared of the mob, the 18% of the country. That want to destroy the country. It was a white guy who got shot. So I'm sure Millie's down with that. White guys can get shot by cops. That's good. No problem. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good to me. The suspect is a vicious shooting of police officer. Jason Rayner was apprehended by Georgia police, a black nationalist paramilitary encampment. There is no place for hate in Florida. A law enforcement will be protected. Justice will be swift. He had a bunch of outstanding warrants and felonies. And just remember, he was in an encampment. But it's white supremacists. The 70s, they can talk about. Mm-hmm. Here's your crime. I won't play the AOC sound, like everybody's playing it, that it's hysteria to talk about this. Coming from the woman who wasn't even at the Capitol, but is attending fucking counseling for PTSD because of the Capitol. Who wants to still defund the police. Nobody else is saying it. She's still saying it. She wants to defund the police. It's all good in the hood. Defund it. Fund that shit. I'm sure Millie's good with this because, you know, it's white supremacist. And that guy got shot in Times Square. Yeah. We got no problem with it. So once again, it's not about Millie. It's not about the military. What he did was wrong. And if you don't see it as being wrong, you're wrong. Because if you would have got up there and talked about how the election was stolen. Oh, you'd have a problem. Or that Antifa is a paramilitary organization and is a threat to safety in America. A true statement. You'd have a problem with that, wouldn't you, Never Trumpers? Oh, it'd be fucking horrible. That's him being political. Or if he espoused views about religion. Or if he espoused views about anything. In fact, if he didn't say anything, there's articles that he argued with Trump, talked to him like a piece of shit. The general did. So it's clearly obvious, from soup to nuts, top to bottom, we got a problem with their officer corps. They're now part of the woke. They're all part of the woke. And I'm going to tell you right now, you think it's okay, and it has no problem. But tides change, my friends. 
Tides change. And over time, what if it became conservative? What if our military was espousing Christian conservative things? I bet you'd have a fucking problem with that. I'm just saying for a friend. So, let's get some facts. We saw the crime stats. 65% of Americans say second trimester abortion should be illegal. Been saying that for months. So, yeah, it's good. New poll, majority of Generation Z have negative view of capitalism. Marxism, that's what it's called. Thanks, Democrats. Princeton is now no longer requiring entry level. And you don't think that's a problem. But the problem will be when these people are your doctor, you're probably going to have a problem with it. New poll, Texas agree, including Latinos in a majority with Abbott. That's pretty good. Voters say Congress care more about impressing media than constituents. And that was bipartisan. And then I got a message on thing that I was making up the Twitter. There's the study. 10% are prolific. 80% of the content. And it's 80% liberal. In all these articles. A small group of prolific users account for majority of political tweets sent by U.S. adults. Pew Research, U.S. adult Twitter users tend to be younger, you more Democratic. 10% create 80% of the tweets. Twitter is not America. The Atlantic, Daily Wire, Twitter is not reality. Both sides say it. But nobody seems to understand this is what our media class use for news. This is right now what the Democrats are using to make policy. And it's why that policy comes out like hot fucking garbage. And nobody's for it. Which brings us to our second jerk-off of the week. Remember, the American Rescue Act was for COVID while they were defunding the police. But somehow, some way, if you got a D behind your name, you can just make shit up in the media. I am Republican, the media jerk-off. Of the week. So hot. What do you think is the root of the cause of this spike in violence? I mean, we read through some of these cities, don't know. From the administration's perspective, why is this happening? Well, look, I, a bunch of reasons, I believe, but one is the proliferation of guns on the streets of America. The fact that we have let the NRA governed this country for far too long, and the president is willing to take them on. Uh, he would not sign the bipartisan infrastructure bill into law unless it is paired with the Democrats' sweeping budget reconciliation package. Now, on Saturday, he said it wasn't his intention to say that. He still wants to see the two bills passed, but he is no longer refusing to sign the infrastructure deal 
if it lands on his desk on its own. Do I have that right? Well, the president yesterday, his words speak for uh, speak for themselves. But I think the real point, uh, Jake, is that he was putting the focus back on the historic nature of the bipartisan infrastructure bill. So whether it's the lead pipes, the electric uh, vehicle charging stations, electric buses, I think. So can you just clarify for once and for all, Biden will, if it happens that the bipartisan infrastructure bill lands on his desk on its own, I understand that's not your preference, but if that were to happen, he would sign it, yes or no? Well, look, I don't think it's a yes or no question. This is what I think it is. People have underestimated uh, President Biden since day one. So he's not, he's not going to commit to signing the infrastructure bill if it lands on his desk on its own. It has to come with the other bill. No, I think that the, the important point here is to focus on the statement yesterday where the president's words speak for uh, themselves. I, don't, uh, I speak for the president, but I don't put words in his mouth. And where he has a clear statement, uh, I let that do the speaking. But the important thing is to focus on how historic this infrastructure bill is. Speaker Pelosi says she will not take up the bipartisan infrastructure deal in the House until the Senate also passes the reconciliation package. So under, understand, I understand that it's the president's preference uh, that they come together, but does he have an opinion on whether Pelosi and the House Democrats should hold a vote on the infrastructure deal uh, as soon as it arrives in the House with no strings attached? No, the president's focused on uh, the historic nature of the deal and actually getting it passed, making sure it gets to his desk. But, but Mr. Congressman Banks, let me push back on that a little bit, because in the program that he announced this week, uh, the president said that the central part of his anti-crime package is the $350 billion in the American Rescue Plan, the COVID relief plan that was passed. Take a look at what the president said. It means more police officers, more nurses, more counselors, more social workers, more community violence interrupters to help resolve issues before they escalate into crimes. Congressman Banks, you voted against that package, against that $350 billion, just like every other Republican in the House and Senate. So can't you make the argument that it's you and the Republicans who are defunding the police? Uh, not at all, Chris. I mean, let's go back again and look at the last year and the record of comments that Democrats have made from Rashida Tlaib, who said that policing well, no, no, is wait, inherently sir, respectfully, evil. Uh, wait, wait, sir, respectfully, I, I, I heard you make that point, but I'm asking you, there's $350 billion in this package the president says can be used for policing. And I, let me put up some of the specific Chris, the things point, he the point said. That I make, the Chris, president, the point that I'm making is important. Congressman Banks, let me, let me finish, and then I, I promise I'll give you a chance to answer. The president is saying cities and states can use this money to hire more police officers, invest in new technologies, and develop summer job training and recreation programs for young people. Respectfully, you, I, I've heard your point about the last year, but you and every other Republican voted against this $350 billion. When Representative Omar says that policing is rooted in evil and Nancy Pelosi compares police officers to Nazi stormtroopers, it makes it very difficult for police departments around the country to recruit people to become police officers. And that's the crisis that we find in police departments all over America. You can give them more funding and that's good. But if they can't recruit people to become a police officer because we've stigmatized one of the most honorable professions in America, then we're at a dangerous point. And that is that is directly related to the rise in violence 
violent crime across America. If we turn a blind eye to law and order and a blind eye to riots that occurred in cities last summer and we take police officers off the street, we're inevitably going to see, see crime rise. Something one of the advisors said this weekend, Cedric Richmond, he said Republicans defunded the police by not supporting the American Rescue Plan. But how is it that that is an argument uh, to be made when the president never mentioned needing money for police to stop a crime wave when he was selling the American Rescue Plan? Well, the president did mention that the American Rescue Plan, the state and local funding, something that was supported by the president, a lot of Democrats who supported and voted for the bill, could help ensure uh, local cops were kept on the beat and communities are across the country. As you know, didn't receive a single Republican vote. That funding has been used to keep cops on the beat. But at the time that was sold as uh, these local police departments might have a pandemic related budget shortfall, not we need to keep cops on the beat because there's a crime wave. Uh, I think that any local uh, department would argue that keeping cops on the beat to keep communities safe when they had to, because of budget shortfalls, fire police is is something that helped them address yeah. crime in their local communities. Those local communities. The White House's argument was the American Rescue Plan is going to be $1,400 checks. It's going to be vaccines, vaccinators. Uh, it's going to put us on the path to beating the virus. Not. It did those things as well. It was a pretty good... Something one of the advisors said this weekend, Cedric Richmond, he said, Republicans defunded the police by not supporting the American Rescue Plan. But how is it that that is an argument uh, to be made when the president never mentioned needing money for police to stop a crime wave when he was selling the American Rescue Plan? Well, the president did mention that the American Rescue Plan, the state and local funding, something that was supported by the president, a lot of Democrats who supported and voted for the bill, could help ensure uh, local cops were kept on the beat in communities across the country. As you know, didn't receive a single Republican vote. That funding has been used to keep cops on the beat. But at the time that was sold as uh, these local police departments might have a pandemic related budget shortfall, not we need to keep cops on the beat because there's a crime wave. Uh, I think that any local uh, department would argue that keeping cops on the beat to keep communities safe when they had to, because of budget shortfalls, fire police is is something that helped them address yeah. crime in their local communities. Those local communities. The White House's argument was the American Rescue Plan is going to be $1,400 checks. It's going to be vaccines, vaccinators. Uh, it's going to put us on the path to beating the virus, not... It did those things as well. It was a pretty good bill and piece of legislation. Okay, uh, Go ahead. Just one more. Oh. Just, uh, uh, this weekend, Gwen Barry, who hopes to represent the United States as an Olympian on the hammer throwing uh, events, won a bronze medal at the trials, and then she turned her back on the flag while the anthem played. Does President Biden think that is appropriate behavior for someone who hopes to represent Team USA? Well, uh, Peter, I, I haven't spoken to the president specifically about this, but I know he's incredibly proud to be an American uh, and has great respect for the anthem and all that it represents, especially for our, our men and women serving in uniform all around the world. He would also say, of course, that part of that pride in our country means recognizing there are moments where we are, as a country haven't lived up to our highest ideals, and it means respecting the right of people granted to them in the Constitution to peacefully protest. We're talking about an uptick in crime. You just heard the rhetoric circa 1983 that's being, you know, repeated now. Um, Cheryl, I am a little concerned because I look, I know there are people in neighborhoods who have concerns about the violence they've seen. Um, it's interesting that this is happening at the time of defund the police. We have to get to the root of the problem. Why do you think we're seeing an uptick in crime happening right now? 
I think it's a combination of things, and we have to understand that police officers are the, are the backbone patrol, particularly are the backbone of any police department. And this reminds me of back in the day when I was on LAPD, when officers' feelings were heard, and uh, they had the term blue flu, where officers openly talked about slow response to radio calls. You can, you can break a police chief <laughs> if response time is low, if you're not clearing crimes, if you're not responding to high-priority calls, shootings in progress, murder, robbery. And so officers now we see across these 18,000 police departments are butthurt because, you know, they can't run willy-nilly through a police department and abuse with reckless abandon. So they're stepping away from specialized units, too cowardly to quit outright the department, but they're stepping away from units on the Columbus Police Department, the rapid response team, an entire platoon of SWAT officers walked away in Miami. And so I don't think it's a coincidence. And listen, bad guys know that cops aren't responding, that they're not coming out when they're capering. And so I think it's a combination of things. What's your take on, um, I mean, do you really think there is a, an uptick in crime uh, the way that Republicans are framing it? I don't necessarily think that there's an uptick in crime, and, and I, I can tell you that I know firsthand, you know, statistics can be manipulated. And so I think that this is, again, what what officers, police departments, police chiefs, those who are savvy, try to do is pull back, make communities suffer just a little bit so you'll miss that heavy-handedness, those overzealous cops who are abusing their authority in your communities. And then when you cry uncle, they come back times 10 with more militarization. Take the bike to work, huh? Sometimes. Congressman, is there any way we can get you to talk about January 6th? I do not do interviews with CNN because I do not trust CNN to be honest or truthful. Well, can I ask you, do you still believe I've Antifa already, was behind I've January 6th? i what I'm going to say. I don't trust you all to be truthful or honest. Well, can you tell us if you regret what you said on January 6th? I do 6th? not trust CNN to be truthful or honest, so I do uh, not. Well, I'm just asking you CNN. questions. I'm asking you fair questions here, sir. Why can't you answer the questions? I do not trust you all to be truthful or what? honest with anything it's CNN on, does. It's on video. If you can just talk yeah. to us for a moment. Oh, you guys will lie for your TV and your show. Well, give you the chance to come on if you don't mind. It was a fake high school graduation. David Keene, a former president of the NRA and a current board member of the gun group, thought he was practicing his address to James Madison Academy. But that school does not exist. And the rows of empty chairs that Keene was speaking to were placed there to represent the estimated 3,044 victims of gun violence who would have graduated this year if they had not died. This year, you focused on one of the most important of Madison's amendments, the Second Amendment. There are some who continue to fight to gut the Second Amendment. But I'd be willing to bet that many of you will be among those who stand up and prevent them from succeeding. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> okay, do you know how many people are injured? So my advice to you is simple enough. Follow your dream and make it a reality. Joining us now, Manuel and Patricia Oliver, who are the co-founders of Change the Ref, a pro-gun control group that organized this fake graduation. Their son, Joaquin Oliver, was killed in the Parkland shooting in 2018. Uh, I want to thank you both so much for being with us. Um, Manuel, first to you. This is the first time that your organization has confronted someone directly involved with the NRA. And I, I wonder why you decided this was so important. 
Well, thank you for having us here. Um, I think that we have tried different things and different levels of disruption. Um, at some point, we needed to get here. And I'm not saying that this is the last level of disruption. I, it's just something that um, is working really good. The, 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 the whole answer from everyone has been great, the reaction. So you keep trying things, and, and one of them will work better than others. I, I love this project, and I think we're going to do it more often. Uh, Patricia, it is disruptive. It, the images, they, they work to convey the message. This is very powerful. Can you tell us uh, about the logistics, ab about carrying this out? How did this happen where you have a former NRA president? What's your name, sir? My name is Go Fuck Yourself. And are you from Ohio? No. Not at all. That is why the Democrats do not stand for defunding police. The police have a major role to play, especially community policing and reducing the incidence of violence and crime in our communities. But it is a multifaceted uh, issue and concerns, and that's how we should approach it. It is not all about let's just get tough on uh, crime. Uh, and, and at the same time, by the way, I note that uh, as we look at creating a commission to, to find out what really happened with the v tremendous violence that happened on January 6th, you have a whole bunch of Republicans who don't even want to go there. So, you know, what, the need to address the criminal situation, the crime situation. So the polls start dipping, and so they send out Cedric Richmond to run around and say that the actual Recovery Act was the money to refund the police. And you heard Maisie Hirono. They never wanted to defund. They weren't defunders. And Chris Wallace on Fox literally uses the verbiage just like that. Because he's not a journalist. He's an anti-Trumper. So never Trumpers are the same. You hear Saki up there. You hear the crazes on MSDNC. You see them doing hits pieces on guns, attacking fucking now another congressman. That's Acosta's job now. Try to get some ratings by doing hit pieces and trying to do what they said was totally horrible for uh, Project Veritas. But now they're doing it. Does hmm. hitting people on the side of the streets. I love the reply by the Trumper. My name is Go Fuck Yourself. That was really good. Matt Whitlock kind of sums it up because this is some great shit. Wow. They test drove this with Cedric Richmond on Sunday shows. Confirms the White House strategy to respond to rising crime is to gaslight. Bipartisan majorities send tons to states. States are giving that money away. American Rescue Plan has not improved crime. And they're running the, well, it's the GOP's fault. Yeah, they don't, they want to defund. Absolutely shameless under questioning for Fox, Ducey, White House Press Secretary argues is Republicans who have been defunding the police. So here are the cities that defunded. I know I don't list all of them, but if you know of a Republican run city who defund the police, feel free to comment. And you can't. They're all damn cities. They defunded. But in our shitty-ass fucking media, they can get away with this shit. They can literally lie 
It's just gaslighting. It's just gaslight. It is a total fucking lie. I can read tweet after tweet after tweet. I, I can I could just play it all day. I mean, here is AOC talking about defunding. I wasn't gonna play it, but here she is. We are seeing these headlines about percentage increases. Now I wanna say that any amount of harm is unacceptable and too much. But I also want to make sure that this hysteria, you know, that this doesn't drive a hysteria and that we look at these numbers in context so that we can make responsible decisions about what to allocate um, in that context. You got this guy. This guy's fucking, it is a perfect microcosm. And if our fucking, you know, if our fucking media was actually worth a shit, we'd hear this. Jamal Bowman, we're fighting in your memory, Tamir. You won't be forgotten. The system, the, a system this cruel and humane can't be reformed. Defund the police and defund the system that terrorize communities. All this backlash to defund the police. How fast are people going to fold when we get serious about reparations? Special police protection. And they're getting hammered. Just fucking hammered. White savior, dim legislator, dragged for trying to shame police who shared heartbreaking story to remind people they are. Uh, Rachel Barracourt. Supposed really outrageous. The officer centering themselves and want credit for being decent and compassionate human beings. And somehow in a family massive tragedy, take a shot at those who want to end police brutality. The officer wants acknowledgement for their own trauma while minimizing trauma they afflict. Officer sets up the post as a us versus them and people are upset when them points out it's problematic. And if you think this post is okay, where is your compassion for black lives? Liz Mack, the fact that you believe that officers don't get to express their feelings regarding the media and politicians portrayal of them as monsters while showing up and handing the worst situations possible day after day after day is despicable. Their truth is just as valid as anyone else. And this is about a guy who saved it. And he said they want us defunded. And, of course, the left can't have that. You, you can't have it. New York Times, Josh Krakauer. Progressive urban question, how to win over voters of color. New York Times' growing body of evidence indicates that large numbers of black and Latino voters may simply take a more centrist view on every issue, race and criminal justice, the progressives have assumed would rally voters of color to their side. And as we know, they are the ones getting directly affected by it. They're the people getting hurt by these policies. If you really think Dems are better on law and order, I I got a fucking land to sell you. Then, of course, we got this. DOJ is going to sue fucking voter law in Georgia. And the case is fucking specious at best. Here's a number of lawmakers in Georgia Senate who subsequently helped draft, promote, and pass SB 202 issued a statement in support of an unsuccessful lawsuit brought by the state of Texas taking the United States Supreme Court to overturn the Georgia election results. So that's the reason. It's not about, actually, it's a bad law. It's that, well, they're bad people. They're bad people. And then we had the collapse, and I'll just cover this briefly. 
here is do I have this? I think I have it. Uh, I'm gonna play this in a second. Hold on a second. Here it is. They're saying in emergency management, the first 24 hours, only 24 hours, FEMA was ready to deploy the condo collapse all immediately, including the crisis in its daily briefing, but didn't get permission from Governor Santos to get the ground a full day. The federal agency that recommends sweeping building code change after 9-11 now has six people on the ground investigating what happened in the condo collapse, according to the latest FEMA briefing. This is missing important context. Hannah Driver never asked me for commit comment. Emergency response started within minutes of disaster led by Miami-Dade County. Amazing first responder county mayor signed a local emergency. It starts at the state, state level, then moves up. So then a dam takes her tweet and goes, this tweet has been up full day now. Before, Even though she knows it's a lie. Multiple receipts proving it's a lie. And Christina Pusha calling her to correct the record. But Hannah refused to take the call. And she let it go up. It stays. Because they can lie about everything. Nobody's going to call them on it. The media's not going to say they're fucking gaslighting. The media's part of it. Wall Street Journal. Not a conservative fucking thing. They are literally going to tap red states for the infrastructure bill. And how are they wording that? Well, here's Pasaki talking about how I need a charger in my rural area. Really? People across the country and people who care deeply about addressing our climate crisis know the components of what's in this package, which the president considers a down payment, not the end, a down payment. So 500,000 electric vehicle charging stations nationwide. That's what this would help support with a focus on our highways and rural and disadvantaged communities. It would help buy more than 35,000 electric school buses. All the rhetorical fire has moved away from the deficit and onto some random school superintendent in Maine after his district dared to denounce white supremacy after the murder of George Floyd. Now, those are the kinds of lines Republicans cannot cross. But spending hundreds of billions of dollars on infrastructure? Whatever. No problem. Then, of course, I mean, we got to talk about the obvious, right? The additional glaringly obvious aspect of all this. When you compare the first six months of the last Democratic President's administration to this one... Barack Obama faced total opposition on the right from the outset. Now, Joe Biden has faced a lot of opposition, too, but there is just no universe, as someone who covered this from Washington, D.C., up close, in which 11 Republican senators would have come out, posed on that driveway to strike a deal like this with Barack Obama in his first. So, you know what Bernie Sanders is working on. He's talking about a bill that's six trillion dollars uh i i know that you've suggested that's a little rich for for in terms of what, what you want but what is what is your bottom line how much more do you want as you just said at the top of this the bill that you're negotiating with the republicans would be the biggest infrastructure bill in the history of the united states how much more are you willing to add on top of that but but, but what's your bottom line the question is this is over a trillion dollars the bottom line bernie sanders wants six yeah. more trillion here's what, the- what, what 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 are you how far are you yeah. willing to go well, I think there are some real questions about whether or not this bill is, is, truly, is truly paid for. But let me ask you about the bigger question here. You get hammered. It should be, John. 
You get hammered all the time, uh, you know, by, by fellow Democrats, especially progressives, who say you are constantly drawing red lines for what you'll support and, you know, and, and, and creating limits on how far uh, uh, Democrats will be able to go now that you control all, you know, the House, the Senate, and, and the White House. What do you say to those that say, why don't you draw some red lines with Republicans? Why don't you say, unless they come around and agree to the stuff you just talked about, you know, bringing up the corporate tax rate again? I mean, there are a whole bunch of issues at play here. Uh, you know, I don't think that the Republican Party, whether at the state level or at the federal level, wants to be known as the party of voter suppression any more than I think the Democratic Party wants to be known as the party of voter fraud. But the challenge here is that because of COVID, there were a lot of changes on a state-by-state -state level. It is confusing to me, and I think to a lot of people, that when states seek to adjust based on some of those changes, for example, drop boxes. Okay, Georgia never had drop boxes before. Now, drop boxes are in law. This is the law that Merrick Garland was just talking about. You know, there are going to be problems if at the federal level they decide that they only need to go after Republican states, that they need to go after Republican-run states for laws that mirror, for example, uh, things that exist in Delaware or New York or Connecticut or New Hampshire. And I think the other challenge is that uh, I, I, I think it's hard to argue that we are in an existential crisis. How many people voted in the last election? Right. More than ever before, we have unbelievable voter engagement. So again, there are reasonable arguments to be had here, but I'm not sure that those are the ones that are going on. I understand. I think it's important we separate out the big lie part of this because uh, for, can, for Donald, hang on a second, hang on a second. I, first of all, I can. Um, there may be people who can't. There may be legislatures that don't want to. I agree with you about Arizona, and I think that this this transparent attempt to to replace someone they don't like is is wrong. On the other hand, I think there. Are, I think that part of the argument that we're making about places like Georgia is 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 unjust. You know. People aren't against infrastructure because they don't want the roads fixed or airports fixed. They're against it because everything you're doing is Green New Deal. You're doing this human infrastructure wahooness that isn't real. You can't get other things through so you can know you can get it through under something like this, under reconciliation. That's all it's about. Bernie Sanders himself said, hey, we're going to get it through reconciliation. And why in the fuck do rural areas need chargers anybody out there anybody why do i need a charger i don't need a charger there's no electric cars on my street so of course they can say it's republicans defund because she can say we're doing all this for rural communities as we take all their money to fix blue cities because they defunded their police and they haven't maintained their roads. Let's get woke. Bill Maher has been whack for a long time, from his makeout session with the blackface expert, Megyn Kelly, to his infamous use of the N-word on his show, for which he later apologized, and his continual mostly white weekly panels where he sings sob songs to them about the perils of the shrinking demographic and chides anyone who falls even slightly outside of his myopic, privileged view. Anybody find it interesting that this quote-unquote liberal ally is sounding a lot like a moderate Fox News contributor? 
Bill Maher, you do not get to tell people of color what they should or should not be offended by. Stay in your lane, Slim. Try that instead of standing on your alabaster perch every week to crap on other people's lived experience while providing a safe haven for well-established white supremacists. Because I gotta tell you, this old angry white man act is so played. The truth is, what's happening now is an evolution, and you are fighting for your power and privilege to not become fossilized while basking in the rays of your own non-existent cleverness and comedy bits circa three decades ago. Her daughter is walking around, and I know she's in tears every day thinking about her mother. Her mother was killed in point-blank range, shot multiple times. So many different people all around the world who didn't even have this type of technology. I just want to reiterate, not just black lives matter, all lives matter. Than anything up north. If you could go uh, back in time to any era and just visit for a little bit, where would you go? Probably like five years ago and just make some different choices about the clubs <laughs> I played. <laughs> Pick a different <laughs> you, you wouldn't want to go to like watch Ben Franklin get electrocuted. Mm. You'd, you'd... Am I just seeing like a specific moment or is it just like... Like if I give you a week, you could spend a week and you knew you'd be safe. Okay, I just think the 60s were a really formative time for this country. And I think getting like hopping around just to uh, the vibe and just all the unrest and the change and really coming out of losing our innocence as a nation and sort of catapulting us into what would become the country. I think the 60s were really fascinating. I bet a lot of people in the future are going to say that about the 20s. What's happening right now? 20s would be cool. Oh, I mean, 20, these 20s, 20s. 2020s. Oh, man. I think people are going to be talking about all the changes happening right here, I, right now, in yeah. the future. They're going to be saying it's one of the most tumultuous periods I in think the history of the country. We'll look back and it'll be scary. It'll be like, yeah, I don't know. Everybody was afraid of getting canceled. People were eating each other. <laughs> Nobody was listening to science. Like, it's a really, even as it's happening, I'm like, we are coming across like fucking idiots. Like animals. Well, we're unhinged yeah. in a lot of ways. And we're not anchored down by a real leader. You know, we don't really have a real leader in this yep. country anymore. Yeah. I mean, you could say Joe Biden is the president. He's our leader. And you'd, you'd be correct on paper. But, I mean, everybody knows he's out of his mind. He's just, he's barely hanging in there. I just think we've dealt with, you know, you have political unrest coming out of Donald Trump. You have this pandemic. There's just so much, you have so much fake news opinions there's so many outlets like it's it is maddening regardless yeah. of how you believe and you can't get a straight answer you can't even substantiate your own facts with the right facts because it's hard to drill down those facts everybody that agrees with you sort of does in theory but is it always in practice and it is hard to find solid ground mm -hmm. and so it's scary just how angry the mob is and how you know if you look at like cancel culture i don't even think people want an apology in many cases they just want to see someone burn they definitely do it's like the middle it's like the medieval the medieval times it's like medieval times like the middle ages it's well, a dark a, period there's a disconnect between other people right that's happening when you're attacking someone online they're not near you you're not talking to them they're not a human they are the other and you can attack them in that way mm -hmm. and if they get taken mm -hmm. down they lose their job people like it because they like it's, it it's like you scored a point you're playing a video game you kill the bad guy you feel because people feel so helpless. You know, I always think about that short story that we all had to read the lottery where this town just like randomly would draw straws to see who would get stoned to death. Really? And the woman is this is a famous short story. The woman who was like the biggest proponent of this 
in the end is the one that gets stoned. And of course, you know, it's like, and then they were upon her. But I think about that a lot. How? When, when did this happen? The lottery? Yeah. I don't know what year it was written. But it's real? Is it a real story? A true story? Or is well, it a, I don't think a fiction it's a story? I think it's oh, fiction. Okay. Which is even better because somebody at the time was like, you know, we we want this justice. It's not even justice when the punishment outweighs the crime. But we so just want to see someone get devoured. If somebody genuinely offends me, there are apologies where you're like, okay, they meant that. They fucked up. But for the most part, you're like, fuck that person. Even if they apologize, you're like, yeah, I still seek. I know that they still secretly are anti-Semitic or racist or whatever, you know? Mm. And we do look at that snippet of a person. They did a thing and you're like, burn it all to the ground. Mm. There's no room for nuance. We do love like a public hanging. We have not come that far. Yeah, it's definitely still part of what it means to be a person, you know, especially if you don't know the person, you know? Especially if they're famous mm. or good looking or yeah. rich. Yeah, yeah. It's even more delicious. Yes. Or someone who's like wronged you or you feel there's no accounting for substance or character. It's just they upset me, so they got to go. Yeah, there's very few people in this day and age that are interested in empathy. 100%. And that, that's, a, that's a real problem. Or at least publicly interested in empathy where they're promoting it. You know, it's not it's not something that we value as much as, you know, it, we value it in our personal lives. It's very important in your personal lives to be empathetic about family members and friends. But when it comes to, like, public figures, nobody gives a shit about empathy. Yeah, that's George Floyd's brother. He's probably going to get canceled now. So we get over here and we find out this. And once again, this all ties into Millie. This, this is what Loudoun County is pushing on kids, all right? And it's in there for the parent. My parents and community, we say FCPS does not teach critical race theory. I want to read from the guide. She added, do you as a leader of a school system believe in America? Do you believe in meritocracy? And here are just I'm not going to go through all because we go through a lot of this because it's just everywhere now. Um, Racist, racist ideas were embedded in the formation of the U.S. government by the founding fathers, whose hypocrisy was manifested in documents that proclaimed freedom and equity for all. Ask students to read chapter six and eight and then provide time to book clubs to discuss the reading, including the connections they made between Nigerian author, evaluate racism, racism is the bedrock of the USA. Key concepts. Um, Day five, racist ideas, along with economic greed, are central to the formation of the nation. Its laws, policies, and practices. Meritocracy and American dream narratives are rooted in whiteness. Bring this down a butt hair. Sorry about that. The study guide makes a number of assertions about racism. The United States founding fathers, racist ideas were embedded in the formation of the U.S. government by the founding fathers. Racist ideas, along with economic greed, are central to the formation of this nation, its laws, policies, and practice. Racist ideas rooted in legislation shaped the institution of education and its outcomes for black children. So we're just not going to have them do the SAT, and so there'll be failures in school, but we'll give them grades, and then they'll become doctors and murder people. Sounds great. Uh, day 13, racist ideas rooted in legislation shape the institution of education outcome black children while the nation's leaders assert the colorblindness is a solution to racism. This is just all bullshit. 
It is antithetical to the American idea, and it goes back to the Rotunda's racist. Here is an actual school board member. I join Loudoun County Dems, fully support the school's adoption of policy 8040 and condemning the hateful rhetoric and violence of June 22nd LCPSSSB meeting. The foo. All last summer, we were told it was peaceful protests to set buildings on fire and destroy statues and public-private property. And now you want to call actual peaceful protest violent. And that's the way they play the game, boys and girls. You can say this on, G- on um, ESPN. Token whites. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not racist. I mean, the inverse is. And it brought me to... Articles like this, because I was watching, I'm watching um, Last Man Standing. I tape them, and I'm watching from season one back to season nine. How Tim Allen's Last Man Standing gets away with politically incorrect rumor, humor. And then the Vox, it's old. The viewers are old. Um, okay, maybe the politics stuff is a little bit. That was, you know, 20... It's been, uh, so 2018, they killed it. Every TV show we have has woke. Everything we have is about gay or black or civil rights. This, this is okay to a pride. Let me blow this up. This is a New York City pride organizer. A police uniform is racist. Yeah, that, that's that's what these people think. So when General Milley goes up and does this, yeah, it's bad. Because they're way more woke than us. This is Britain. 61% of them blow off the pronoun shit. Why wouldn't they? They have the FBI raising Pride flags, which brings you to an interesting concept. All police are garbage except for the FBI, the liberals, and never Trumpers. They love the FBI because the FBI only goes after conservatives. They ignore Hunter's stuff, Wiener's stuff, Hillary's stuff, every stuff. You know, if you tie into Tucker in the beginning, they wiretapped a presidential candidate based on lies. We know that now. At the time, they didn't think they were lies, but they were lies. But the simple fact that Democrats went after an opponent and it was okay with conservatives just because you didn't like the guy. No. That's not, that's not okay. Neither is this. Kermit the Frog. Pride events. It's indoctrination. Articles like this. The NRA for families is attacking trans kids. The GOP is listening. Because now they're going after the very people that form these real grassroots organizations to stop CRT in our schools. They're going to destroy those people. They've had fucking hit lists, enemies lists. That was a school board. And here's my checkmate for the day. We'll play two sound bites. One sound bites this lady talking about a dude with his cock and balls in a family spa. That's how far we're going with this shit. And he wasn't dressed like a girl. 
He just said he identified as a girl because he's a prev and MasterCard. Listen to this ad. You don't, so it's okay. I just want to be clear with you. It's okay. It's okay for a man to go into the women's section, show his penis around the other women, young little girls under age. Your spa, we spa, condone that. Is that what you're saying? Like I asked. It's so he, so he can stay there. He could stay there. What sexual orientation? I see a dick. It lets me know he's a man. He he's a man. He is a man. He is not no female. He is not a female. He is not a female. Hold on. He is not a female, sweetie. Okay. Girls down there. Other women who are highly offended for what they just saw, and you did nothing. Absolutely nothing. In fact, you sided with him. So we spa is an agreement with men that just say they are a woman and they can go down there with their penis and get into the women's section. Is that what you're saying? What? What? Really? What law? What law? So women can go into the men's with their breasts. Okay. Yeah, you shouldn't. Y'all wouldn't come back either. Yeah, get your money back. You got a man with his penis talking about he's a woman. He ain't no woman. Uh-uh. Yeah, give her her money back. There's no such thing as transgender. He has a dick. Okay? He has a penis. He has penis is hanging out. Okay, no, I'm not one. Actually, I'm a woman who knows how to stand up and speak up for my right. As a woman... I have a right to feel comfortable without a man exposing himself, okay? No, you go somewhere else. Okay, so that's right. No, he's not a transgender. He has a penis, just like you do. Are you, are you, are you, are you? No. Yeah. Okay, it's not okay. Okay, that's traumatizing to see that. I'm a woman. I think this is a place right here, I'm told, only for women. So how dare you sit up here and tell me I don't have a right as a woman to defend. I'm telling you, he has a penis. For transgender people, a secure payment doesn't mean protecting yourself from someone buying sneakers with your card. No, if you're transgender, a secure payment means paying for something without being judged, questioned, disrespected, humiliated, harassed, even assaulted, simply because the name on your card doesn't match how you identify. This is about more than just keeping a card safe. It's about keeping us safe. True name. gotten to a place in our society that you're scared to stand up for your rights good for this lady to sound off because that ain't right not in front of children this indoctrination has california saying people can't go to these states because they don't believe in genderless bathrooms 
Florida, Arkansas, Montana, North Dakota, West Virginia joined the travel ban list due to anti-transgender laws. It's not anti-transgender. Why do you think it's anti-transgender? NFL releases a powerful video for gay because they're scared of gay people. If you love this game, you're welcome here. Football's for all. Football's for everyone. The NFL stands for LGBTQ plus community today. I knew it. What's next? The steel industry? It's a documentary on Dallas Cowboys. We already knew. Powerful. The corporate virtue signaling is annoying and irrelevant. Last year, it was all black people are dying because of uh, systemic racism. This year, it's gay. How about football? Your product sucks. It just sucks. If a quarterback could go to a shitty team and win the Super Bowl, you probably got problems. You made the rules so defenses can't stop them. And overriding all of this is this, NPR. We pay for this. A leaked UN report warns of coming unbelievable heat waves, widespread hunger and drought, rising sea levels and extinctions. Really? Really? Once again, when, when they can't get what they want, they, they spin and lie and get away with unbelievable lies that nobody else will get away with. And then they flow into climate, racism, gay rights, back to lies. Interwoven in their policy is all this social justice shit just to redistrict, just to get around election laws, just to get red states to not be red. They don't give a fuck about a gay person. They don't give a fuck about anything. All they care about is power. They want to win. I'm not saying GOP's better, but they don't get away with their lies. The left does. They can lie all they want. They're still lying that Russia stole the 2016 election. But once again, if you say 81 million votes for a guy in a basement, you're a fucking Nazi and you need to go to jail. Because they have their own police force, the FBI. Okay. Let's laugh.
in backward fashion, my brother, crazy motherfucker, goes a paraglider. I went when I visited him. I meant to put that video up a couple weeks ago. I didn't do it. And I still gotta smoke that cigar. We have Jumpmaster Dad, and we have a funny price gouging one from Ranger Up. So, as we reverse the script and close it out for today, we start with lies about the border. We lied about infrastructure. We lied about defunding. We're lying that this whole woke thing coming out of Millie is just a right-wing conspiracy. We lie about CRT. We lie about everything they're doing, which is just an indoctrination. To make you liberal so your vote blue or policies that will redistrict and get blue people in red districts. Nothing political parties of either persuasion do is for the betterment of the people. What they do is try to win elections. And I think the summation of my case is a lady who finishes third robs the first and second place people of their moment by making it about herself and letting the media let her spin it that she was set up because they played the national anthem before she could get up her protest gear, knowing that every Olympic event ever, they play the national anthem. That's what they do, even at the Olympics. First place, second place, third place. There, it's three anthems. That's a lot of racism for this lady. But she's a third-place hammer thrower. And the media support it. The president supports it. Because the more you hate America, the more you're apt to vote for them. Because they hate America. That's the thing about never-Trumpers I never understood. I understand Trump was a piece of garbage to you. You hated him. These motherfuckers hate the country you live in. To its core. Every one of their policies is degradating America, Americans, parts of the country, Christians, gun owners, you name it. They hate this country. But you'd rather have that in the White House than a guy who mean tweeted and was unable to do anything. Because every agency was working against him. I would rather have that than an adult school child who calls a lid at two, needs a sippy cup and a nappy time, and is in charge of nothing. His wife, who we didn't vote for, runs more shit in our government than he does. And you all know that. All of you know it. But you keep saying 2022 will win the House of Senate. Then what do we do? Nothing. Because he won't sign it. So what's the fucking point? I just in a million years can't vote for people that hate this country that I served 20 years for. I'm all for you protesting. You have every right in the world to protest. But I have every right in the world to say you're a fucking idiot for getting butt hurt because they play the national anthem at an Olympic stage event. They do that shit for fucking Formula One. Everybody plays their national anthem. And I have every right in the world, and so does Tucker Carlson, who serves zero, to criticize the United States military, which is more interested than woke 
than winning the wars that I lost friends in. I wanted us to win Afghanistan. But with Democrats finger-fucking it from day one to people not letting Trump do anything, we lost that war. It's an L. We accomplished nothing. Because generals were more concerned with woke. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please share this with family and friends. Go to FOPPodcast.com to tell me I'm a dumbass. And you get previous and this episode with links to Rumble and SoundCloud for right now. Because God knows they took out Andy NGO. They could take all of us out. If the mob comes for you, the 18% of the country that wants to destroy it, well, we just do what that 18% uh, wants, which makes no sense to me. Disconnect from your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeah. I got some fishing going this week. Yeah, I'm going to go get me some fish in the morning because it's going to be hot as balls. And spend time with your family. We're going to go with a Saturday or a Sunday, depending on what we do. So that is going to be the third or the fourth of July. 2021. Don't know what we're doing. Probably going to be the third because I don't think we're going to go out. And on 1 July is my baby girl's one anniversary. So our next show, I will do an intro with my little baby with pictures of her. Because, yes, you can call me a faggot all you want. I'm decorating the house. I'm making a cake for a dog. Yeah, I am. Judge me if you will. (laughs) Until then, thanks for listening. You guys take care.